Hi there, I'm Andy, a moon chasing, manifesting, wander lover, and feel good aficionado. Consider me your woo woo best friend. This show is a sacred space for ideas, concepts, and modalities that might be considered taboo, but that I personally find a great magic in. In these conversations, my mission is to inspire confidence, worth, and mystical thinking in our modern world. Let's get into it, shall we? Hello, welcome back to the podcast. I am here on a Monday recording this intro before the episode comes out this week. And I have to tell you all, I took a break this weekend from the social media. I'm telling you because there's a lot happening in the world and we all know it. It's not a surprise to any of us. I needed some time to reflect on the state of the world in my own way without a constant reminder of tragedy and divide. So what did I do? Being away from social media for a whole two days. I did my normal meditation practice in the morning. We're still doing the challenge over on Colt Laloon. I went to the beach. I took naps, like multiple naps. I checked out a stack of books from the library. I went and browsed and picked some fiction books that I hadn't yet read that I was interested in reading. I made smoothies and matcha. I watched the F1 race on Sunday, and I watched football on Sunday too. However you are taking care of yourself right now is perfect. And if you're a fellow empath, I know you feel me. But as a fellow human, I know you feel me too. Before we get into the episode, I want to share a couple of updates of things coming up for you right now. The first one is happening literally today. So as this episode comes out on Thursday, September 16th, I'm hosting a free Business Foundations Masterclass. I have never hosted this class before for free. This is not your daddy's business class. This is for the soul-led, spirit-filled, conscious entrepreneur ready to infuse energy, money magic, value clarity, and inspired strategy into your business. If you want to register, you can come on over to my website to the events page and get registered. If you're listening to this episode, after the class has happened and we're still in the month of September, go ahead and send me a note via email and we'll send you the replay in case you missed it. We'll send you the replay. I also wanted to let you know that we have some really awesome, if you ask me, workshops planned for the fall and winter. We have an ageless beauty workshop coming up We also have a Kundalini 101 workshop coming up. We have not yet announced those on the event page, but they will be announced super soon. They are single workshops, so you can come to both or you can come to one or the other, Ageless Beauty and Kundalini 101. It's a really great foundational class if you're really enjoying breathwork and meditation practices with that yogic science angle. Okay, so let's talk about my guest for today. That's all my updates. So let's talk about my guest for today. My guest is Anderson. I love a person who can go by a single name and 
command so much power in that name. So my guest is Anderson. Anderson is an international photographer and producer fascinated by the power of perception. We actually met working together on a project for Pinterest, and I will have an update on some new things coming your way via Pinterest. Stand by for that. Stay tuned for that. It's coming very soon. So we met via Pinterest, and Anderson is obsessed with the construction of environments. Anderson's work explores the intersection of emotional experience and sensory response associated to place. We're both huge travel lovers, and we're going to talk about how travel has changed our lives in profound ways once we get into the show. Anderson grew up in the Midwest and then took a beautiful leap of faith, and his early career was really honed and developed living in London and Milan, and we're going to talk about that experience on the show as well. Anderson's work is provocative. It's dreamlike. It also provides subtext to be enjoyed on simpler terms. Anderson's commercial photography productions and talent activations can be seen in international publications and campaigns around the globe. Presently, Anderson's living in New York City and works on projects worldwide. And I was so thrilled to have Anderson come over here and be with me here in my office slash studio recording together, face-to-face in person. I haven't had an opportunity to do that here in my home in LA, and it was such a joy, such a joy. Anderson's been called the Warhol of the 21st century. I cannot wait for you to meet Anderson. So let's get rolling. Here we go. Welcome to the show, Anderson. Okay. Hi, Anderson. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you here on the show. I'm really excited to be here in person. I yeah. love I love talking in person as opposed to Zoom. It feels like a like a rare I know. occurrence these days. I know. So this is officially the first episode we've done coming out of the pandemic where I can be with someone in person. Like wow. you're here in my space. I it's, feel honored. <laughs> I I'm so thrilled too. I'm so thrilled. And um we we've been we've been preparing for this to do this to start bringing people b- back in person and so when you told me you were going to be in town and we could get together in real life so it's so perfect it's so perfect sweet serendipity yes so we met doing some creative collaboration sessions through pinterest which a lot of the audience of the show may not know that that's something that i've uh spent a lot of time creating through through mm-hmm. Pinterest and you in regards to Pinterest are doing a lot of really beautiful things over there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I love what you're doing. So, we're going to talk about your work, but that's how we met. Yeah. And then we connected a bit further and I love when I when I meet artists who have this deep divine spirituality connection through the way that they work as well. So, yeah, I, I think it's always a great to talk about this. I, I think a lot of times, especially in, in my space, which is more fashion beauty is where I, I create and work now mostly, um, it's kind of a, a bit of a disconnect there. And I, I don't know, I, I don't ever see a lot of people talking about their creation process in terms of it being a spiritual practice, which I think in many ways creating artwork 
very much is. Yeah. Um, in terms of Pinterest, though, I, I, I've really been enjoying creating on that platform. It's really been giving me a way to share insights with other people, especially younger creatives. I mean, I grew up in the Midwest, Missouri. Um, yeah. And so long I've cultivated such a good community on there of, of people just wanting to know what it's like. And it's been so great to kind of give that that down-to-earth kind of uh, perspective on what it means to be a creative uh, and and make a living out of it because it's it can be difficult to do. Yeah, yeah, it can be incredibly difficult. Anytime I'm chatting with a creative who is truly making a living doing the thing that they are pa- the most passionate about, like their career is their passion, their passion is their career. I'm so inspired to dive deeper into how you found your way and what keeps you going and how you stay grounded and connected. So we're going to get into all of that. Before we do, we're going to talk astrology, as we always do at the beginning of the show. So tell me your big three, sun, moon, and rising. Sun in Gemini, moon in Scorpio, rising is Taurus. Okay. Sun in Gemini and your rising is Scorpio. Rising is Taurus. Rising is Taurus. Moon is in Scorpio. Scorpio. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So it's funny. I've ever, if it's a party question, I tell them Gemini and they give me a a little bit of a look and then I tell them the moon and then they say, I'm all sorts of crazy. (laughs) So (laughs) it's definitely, I don't think it's as crazy as people think. I think both signs on their own are very intense and coupled they are as well. Uh, But it's a really interesting dynamic having them together because you have this very you know, forward sun sign of communication and and, yeah. and wittiness and everything. But then you have this very deep sign in the moon, which of course is you know, emotions. So it's really like a high high and a low low in many ways. So it's very juxtaposed, yeah. I, I suppose. Um, before I was really even knowledgeable, I suppose, about astrology, I always was like, oh, my work is very juxtaposed. And then uh, yeah, it's always interesting to find out later on after you've kind of defined who you are just by yourself and then you happen upon your astrology chart and you're like, oh, that makes sense. Totally. Great, great. I kind of look like looking at it that way as opposed to trying. I, can, I think astrology can be a really easy way to just try to form yourself into this like mold, but it's really exciting to see it when it just happens naturally. And you're like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. It's kind of a... There's so much there. That's so true. I've been taking a reader's course with one of our guests who's been on the show twice, actually, she also does a lot of writing for for We We. Her name is Chelsea Jewell, and the course is a reader's course. It's called Discover Your Stars. Mm. And so I'm I'm learning all sorts of things about my chart because I'm starting there. But then I'm having an opportunity to really apply things that I never, I, I just never had really considered. Like yesterday we were in class and we were talking about Chiron, which is the wounded healer planet. Mm. And mine sits, Chiron sits right between for me, the, my moon and the IC. And that meant really nothing to me until I started taking this class. And now I know that that means as in your younger days, like as a child, that you're likely to have some wounding with your mother, which is like, so a part of my story. And so I was, I was saying to Ben actually like, Last week, we were on a a walk. When I first started dialing into that part of my chart, it was like, man, it would have been really nice to know that when I was 16. It would have been really nice to know that, that that was what was happening. But now I look at it and it's like each little component just creates this really beautiful map of what our life, what this blueprint of our life that we can 
take lessons from. And your moon in Scorpio is such a, it's just so, it's witchy and like yeah. mysterious. And that really informs the work that you're doing. And then a Taurus rising, it's like luxury and like, yeah. and you know, all that kind of Venusy energy. So it's like yeah. beauty through and through. It's it's really funny. I, I, I have to double check, but I think each of those planets are in that sign in my chart as well. So I'm pretty sure like my Mercury's mm. in Gemini, my Venus is in Taurus. Ooh, yeah. And I think Pluto's in Scorpio. Okay. So it's like really, really big on those three energies. I think yeah. um, the Taurus really gets me sometimes. I just want to be luxurious all the time. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it's it, it's juxtaposed and beauty is a, a, a big part. I was talking to a friend. She's a creative director uh, for beauty projects. And I told her these things and she's like, oh, that makes sense. Most of the good photographers I know are Taurus. Yeah. And I was like, oh, really? She's like, yeah, it makes total sense. It's all about beauty and luxury. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Totally makes sense. My uh, my moon sign is Taurus and we both have a background of beauty. Yeah. So, yeah, makes makes total sense. And I, too, with a moon in Taurus can be very much in that headspace of like, it needs to be luxurious or it's not for me. Yeah. Like that's very much. Yeah. I mean, we're sitting here in my, in my house. And one of the things that when we were moving to Los Angeles for me was like, we had to have garden space and like, mm -hmm. we had to have like flowers and we had to have trees. And while there's lots of that in LA, there's not a lot of that necessarily in terms of like in your home space. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was like, it has to have that to me is the luxury of being at home is having that sort of space. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, when I first moved to New York after I was living in between London and Milan before, but then I came to New York and I was actually shocked by the rent prices when I first moved there. <laughs> sure. I had some like really good places in Italy. It was beautiful, you know, it was pretty like <laughs> yeah. cheap. And then I come to New York, I'm like, oh, <laughs> dear. So I, I spent probably a year where I was hopping from apartment to apartment, probably 14 places in 12 months, which wow. is a lot. But the, the, the reason I did it was because I was so stubborn in terms of I do not want to rent a space for this amount of money if it looks this ugly. Yeah. I, I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I finally found this uh, uh, house from like the 19th century. Uh, it was like a standalone house in New York. And wow. like, there's like this butterfly wallpaper and like all these weird <laughs> things in it. I'm all about weird uh, aesthetics. Um as long as it's kind of beautiful. But yeah, you know, I find I was like, okay, this is my place. There's like two fireplaces. I'm like, okay, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll rent from here. I'm, I'm comfortable. Yeah. So, so Scorpio Taurus for yeah. sure. For sure. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about the world of beauty and your, your work in beauty. We both have that in, in common. So tell me a little bit about your story and the work that you do today. Yeah. So, uh, I mainly work as a photographer in the, the kind of fashion beauty advertising space. Mm -hmm. I also, uh, produce shoots. So that's just managing all the logistics, you know, uh, teams, catering, you know, talking with agents. It's a lot more work than it sounds like in this little list I've given. But um, I started out actually not really in photography at all. Uh, I, went, I went to school studying music um, and mathematics, which also a big contrast. Yeah. But also I feel like music's a very good marrying of, of, of science and art. Totally. Um, in many ways. But as a child, I was always creating my grandmother. She'd always take me to like art museums and little cafes. I didn't know what SpongeBob was until I was in probably fourth grade. <laughs> I was just watching History Channel. So that's kind of like, I guess, the foundation uh, for, for the just love of arts. Um, but anyhow, one day uh, when I was in school still, I was taking on way too many things. I had the two degrees, uh, was working at a startup doing a little bit of marketing work for them. I had my like wedding photo business on the side. 
And then one day I got a LinkedIn message from Google. I was, I was studying in Nebraska. So I think I had 1500 Instagram followers, which in a town of 300,000, that was like, you were doing it influencer status, you <laughs> yeah. know? So then I was like, Oh, Google. So I, I did like marketing influencing, I guess, for them for an app. Uh, they were trying to launch. I, is like a messaging app. I don't think it's around anymore. Um, but that that moment really struck me. And I was like, oh, I've kind of like hit it here. Like I got a Google campaign. You know, I was pretty much making all the money that was coming in just due to my situation. Um, I was like, this is fun, but I want to do it like actually. I want to do it on yeah. a bigger level. So um, I booked a one-way ticket to England. Um, and I mean, that's, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit. It's a yeah. huge, uh, adventure story, you know, uh, tragedy and joy and everything. But, uh, yeah, so I, I moved to England and I, I kind of then got into the more fashion beauty side of things because weddings, they weren't really like satisfying my creative, uh, needs. So that's kind of how I got into fashion beauty. And then, sure. uh, I'm, I'm still working in that space now. And, uh, now I'm, that I'm a little bit more, I guess, established because it's very difficult to get established in that space. And I'm still, you know, growing that. Um, but now I'm trying to branch back more into, I guess, my roots and what I want to tell with my story as opposed yeah. to just because when you're trying to make it, you're, that's all your energy is going into, like getting the jobs and meeting the people and then making the beautiful artwork. And now I'm finally, finally getting to a space where I can kind of expand that story even larger, which is exciting. Mm, yeah. And when you're just getting started, it's like so much of the work that you're creating, it's your work, obviously, mm -hmm. but it's very much you're following a directive and 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 really working to meet the request of the brand or the creative director of the shoot or whatever it may be. And you're now at a point where you can really start to explain or not even start to, but you can really express yourself in a way that brings who you are to the art that you're creating in a way that any of us, when we're just getting started, can't because we're just trying to like make, we're just trying to make it work. We're just trying mm -hmm. to like show up and like do a good job. But now you're on a path where it's like your, anything you're putting out, any of your art, any of your work, whether it's a paid project for a brand or something you're creating for yourself is going to have so much of you in it because you're not in those early days of like, let me just show up and hope I get another job after this. Yeah. 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 I mean, I definitely learned a lot from assisting. That was kind of the, sure. the big thing that really defined you. And I think when you're starting out in like any career, who you surround yourself with in that time is important because that's what's going to get more or less like imprinted in your style and the way you you create. And I was very fortunate in London. I had two mentors who are these two um, Italian fashion photographers and they owned a studio and I really just got to watch and see. And I, I had to paint the, um, they're called infinity coves or cycloramas. They're basically the huge photo studio uh, walls, if you're listening and you're not uh, familiar. And pretty much once it's used, it gets so dirty and you have to paint it. So I did that, but I also, you know, got to create and have that um, space, which was great because it, it can be very vicious in the that world, especially with people being competitive. So it's really good that I got people who were very interested in my well-being and creative process. Yeah, one of the the biggest things I learned from them um, was the value of of culture. Uh, Midwest, it's kind of bland. There's not much of like anything that defines it, uh, from my perspective. Whereas other places, there are hundreds of thousands of years of culture, and you know, learned trauma, or learned grief, or learned beauty. Uh, like for example, in Italy, you walk down the streets and 
you're surrounded by beauty. Like it's just in the architecture and uh, the the food regulations are so strict. Like imagine, I don't know what it's like where you grew up, but in the Midwest, when you got school lunch, it was not, (laughs) it was not like it was like, that's, that's what you're getting fed as a child. And that's how you're, I mean, it's kind of meta, but that's how you're training your body to use those chemicals. If you're giving it like floppy pizza. um, Every single day. Yeah. Then, I mean, you can only go so far. But in Italy, for example, the food regulations are so strict that they're being fed like fresh food. And they're seeing this beautiful and they're seeing art everywhere. And then how does that control how you create artwork? That's a completely different uh, thing. So having traveled so much and having mentors from you know, so many different backgrounds. It's really made my style juxtaposed. I'll use that word again. Yeah. Uh, but it's given kind of a sensibility of of depth, I guess, a little bit more. Totally. So you move from the Midwest. Mm-hmm. You Now you've landed in Europe and you're basically starting a new life. You're yeah. basically deciding, I'm not going to be a wedding photographer of brides in the Midwest, yeah. which is a very different aesthetic yeah. <laughs> from what you were probably walking into in this new life you were creating. So what did that look like for you? How did you approach that? And what were the what were the lessons that you started learning really quickly as you started to develop mm-hmm. this new approach to living and working and creating art? Yeah. Well, when I went there, I'd never left the country. My parents, I still don't think even have passports. So this was really the biggest city I had ever been to. And I could have just gone to New York and it would have been easier because it's, well, not easy. New York's a very difficult place. Um, But it would have been my country and there's not that, you know, barrier uh, just of everything, culture. I mean, you'd think England's the same. And a lot of Americans, they have this thought that English people are super refined and posh, which some of them are, but most of them they're crazy. <laughs> like all the weird, dark, animated and films and everything probably came from England uh, just from my experience. Anyhow, so the first night, I remember I booked a night in a hostel uh, probably for a week because I had I didn't the, the exchange rate was kind of a lot. And I had a few clients remote, but uh, I didn't want to just burn all my money. Uh, so I remember sitting in this hostel bed, probably 12 other people in the room or something. And I was just shivering in this yeah. bed. I was like, what did I do? You're like, it's the time to go home now. Maybe. <laughs> it was with a few hours of landing. I was like, I I just threw away, you know, kind of like a what would be on paper, kind of a perfect life. And I moved a- across the ocean and I'm in a hostel bed. So a few nights I, w- I was like shivering in this hostel bed. Eventually I kind of got myself out of it. I would go on walks and just see what was around me. And eventually I found this hotel, which is now closed, uh, Ace Hotel. That's a chain around uh, Ace Hotel London. It had all of these tables where there are all these co-workers and like digital nomads and like all these people who are just living and working from wherever. And I, even though I didn't really talk to any of them, I felt this kind of sense of community just yeah. sitting at this long table with other people, you know, this person's in tech, this person's in beauty, this person. It was just like everyone's doing their thing and and working together. So I kind of found solace there. But at one point, I went back to the hostel and my booking was about to end. And I was like, I don't want to do this again. I don't want to hostel hop. (laughs) The shower, it was like one of the, you know, the sinks where you push the button and the water comes out for five seconds. Mm -hmm. It was like that, but a shower. And it was mostly cold. So it was just, it was just painful. So I was like, no, I'm not going to do this. So I, I started looking for an apartment and that was difficult and I wasn't a UK resident or whatever. So I was like, no. So then I looked on Airbnb and I booked a random spot. Um, 
and turns out the owners of this Airbnb owned a photo studio. Um, Perfect. And and that's kind of the moment I was like, oh, you know, something has my back. You know, yeah. uh, I don't know if you would consider that manifesting or 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 if you believe in a deity, uh, you know. But uh, I was some like, of all of that at work, yeah. probably. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, and there's a whole that's a whole other conversation, I guess. But yeah, I, I started there, and then um, I was really just shadowing for a lot of it, and then. I, I was in London and then there's a whole bunch of stories there. I don't know how <laughs> how many sto- I have so many stories. I, I don't know. Ask another question. And we'll see if we can go down. a. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And I, I, I absolutely feel that that moment of serendipity of moving into that Airbnb and the owner owns a photo studio. My mm-hmm. experience, which I've talked a little bit about on the show, when I moved to when I left my corporate job and I moved to Spain, I was not in a hostel, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. But I would have done it if if that was what was yeah. available. But I I had this, I had this mini, maybe not even mini manifestation. Maybe it was a pretty big manifestation in which a friend of mine had a family member who owned a house there, and no one was going to be there for like a year. Mm. It was a, a vacation home, a little small vacation home that had been in their family for like twenty five years, and they needed someone to kind of. It wasn't really house sitting. It was more of like, can you go and give us, stay as long as you want, but give us a report back because nobody's really been there in a while. And I got there and the house was amazing. Everything was like perfect. The only Mm -hmm. thing that wasn't working was like the moped in the garage, you know? So it's like, everything's good except for the transportation. So when I got there, I ended up living in walking distance, less than a mile walking distance to the largest Buddhist temple in the West. I had practiced meditation before, but never in that way. And it completely shifted the Mm -hmm. the trajectory of my life. This thing that I never even was expecting just happened to like, was like living in the shadow of this Buddhist temple and was like, well, I should probably show up there. There's a reason that this house on the coast of Spain and this little village was for me. Yeah. So, and now it's very much a part of, the work that I do. And yeah. it was, I, when I got there, I had no consideration that that's what I would get up to while I was there, that that mm-hmm. would be something I'd, I'd be interested in. I was very much, I was coming out of the beauty world. I was coming out of a role as a sales and marketing executive in the beauty world. And very so, stressful. yeah, <laughs> totally. And I was thinking that the first thing I would be doing was more consulting work, really working with beauty, other beauty brands and doing a lot of consulting and while I did some of that as I left that corporate job, I really was like, okay, the two things I want to do more of is travel and and get into these wellness modalities mm-hmm. that I've not considered before because of this one practice of this Buddhist meditation experience has been this profound mm-hmm. in my life. Like what else is out there that I haven't explored? So yeah. yeah, it's really it's funny what you'll like fall fall into. Yeah, um, I it's really interesting for me to explore kind of the idea of uh, when you can quiet your mind enough, what you can see more clear. Because like at the beginning of my journey, I suppose a lot of the decisions I made they were definitely based on an intuition, but mm-hmm. it was still kind of cloudy. I was like, is this the right thing? Kind of like you know, I'm blindfolded and picking something. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, is that right? But as I've you know progressed, it's been a little bit easier to like hear that that voice I suppose and like oh this is the right thing so it's I, I like I said I studied math and there's like a widely debated subject in between scientists and physicians and everything as if 
as to if everything is predetermined or not, which is really fascinating to me. Um, Based on like Einstein's general relativity, there's in theoretic and like theoretically, it's possible that due to these laws, which is a whole conversation, look, there's tons of great resources online if you want to dive into it, but there's reason to believe, and it's a huge debate that everything could be predetermined. But of course, you have all these, you know, caveats and quantum Mm -hmm. mechanics. And it's again, it's a huge thing, but it's, I don't know. I don't know that there's an answer to it, but it's really interesting to think about there being like a set of potential opportunities for you and then tuning into yourself and like trying to get out of your mind enough to see that and see what's best for your growth. Totally. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, And then it's kind of just, I mean, I do that in my art too, kind of trying to step out of my ego and then step into something that's a little bit more divine, I suppose. And I think traveling's helped a lot because when you, when you hit low lows, you really, you know, find out, you know, a little bit more of who you are. Uh, And I think that's important. Yeah. I, I also find that when we're traveling, it's like those little tiny wins, which when we're in our comfort zone, when we're just in our, you know, what we're used to, those little wins, like things like, okay, I just figured out how to ask where the bathroom is. And I just figured out how to order coffee. And I know how to like get to the ATM and get money out. And those little, and and now I know Mm -hmm. how to get on the bus and I know how to get myself around. So it's like, you start having those little, little tiny things happen that in your comfort zone, where you, where you've grown up or where you're used to being, are just so just rote behaviors that when you have to, when you have to approach everything as if you're doing it for the first time and you, Mm -hmm. you get to celebrate like, yeah, I know how to ask where the bathroom is and I know how to order a coffee and I know how to get on the bus. Now the, all of a sudden what starts to happen is you just are opened up in a new way to this, these little moments of gratitude, just create something Mm -hmm. greater. Yeah. Yeah. What was your experience in that regard to finding more about finding out more about who you are at your core through that travel experience. I mean, I really agree with what you're saying in terms of those little wins. And I think, I mean, the world can be a scary place, but if you you remove again, that kind of ego about it, you can, people are generally pretty nice and open and they want to help you. Like I've made so many friends around the world and it's not because I went to the tourist spots when I was there. I just like was walking around and ran into someone and we started talking or I asked them for help and then you know I didn't assume um and I think there's something really powerful in in turning like when you feel like you have nothing and you're at your low or you know that doesn't have to be you know broke on the streets of Italy like I was at one point (laughs) um but like it could be in your own life you feel like you're at a low what I found really powerful and this is super Gemini I think of me is to take the the complete lack and and worry you have and and transform that into a sense of wonder and openness and possibility mm-hmm. there's a great uh, line from a book by tony morrison it's called jazz uh it's about 1920s new york city um and and formerly enslaved people coming to the city and it's described to these uh, from the perspective of these people looking up into the black deep blue sky and seeing is this like a deep ocean and a sense of wonder. Whereas someone who, you know, I, I feel like could generally say, oh, there's no stars. I can't see stars here. Mm-hmm. But to some people that's viewed as, wow, there's such a sea of opportunity here. Yeah. It's so deep and dark. So I think if you kind of take that approach to uh, 
your problems, you can, you know, often see another way out. I said it's very Gemini because sometimes if there's like a lot of uh, chaos going on, I'm like, you want chaos? Okay, let's just be chaotic. Like <laughs> yeah. we're already we're already at the tipping point. Let's just, so I think it's it's really valuable to kind of go to extremes sometimes, whether that's good or bad. Uh, there's there's value to find in both of them, I think. Yeah, for sure. How did that experience of being in each of those different places that you lived when you were in? In England and then traveling around mm-hmm. Europe and being someone who came from such a different environment, how did seeing those different perspectives start to shape who you are as an individual and how you create as an artist? Yeah, well, I, I think I kind of said earlier that, you know, having these two mentors from a different culture really impacted me. And then, of course, living in these cultures impacted me mm-hmm. as well. I mean, when you experience something, it soaks up inside of you you know what i mean like it doesn't like i think there's this especially in like modern hustle culture if you want to call it that there's this kind of this uh idea that oh something happens to you okay shrug it off it's done right but that's not true really mm-hmm. i don't think at all like it affects you in some way maybe you don't notice it and maybe you discover it five years later when you yeah see this issue repeating up because at the end of the day um again we liked i think there's this like pervasive it's not necessarily taught but i think it's pervasive in our culture at least western culture that mind and body are super separate right but in or consciousness and body i suppose um but when you think about it biology is kind of the defining link between those and again there's so much research but when we have bad patterns or bad habits that's just your body supplying chemicals to itself and you're getting addicted to that so yeah when something happens to you and you have a chemical reaction in your body that might start a cycle, you never know. And then five years later, it's like, oh, that's been happening. Oh, I see a loop going back and back and back. Uh, so in the same way that could set but like bad patterns, it can also set good patterns. You can learn and see the beauty in things. Um, I mean, I remember the kind of moment it really clicked for me. When I was living in London, I was living in an area um, which was like a really artist community, right? Um, But at the time, it was really getting rapidly gentrified, like at the moment I was there. So there was this really strange dynamic between these uh, artists and these, I would say, upper middle class people moving in to new developments in the area. And when I say artist space, it it was not rough, but there were warehouse raves and right. all sorts of drugs and painting on the walls. It was a huge warehouse district and there were never police there. So it was kind of like the Wild West, but everyone yeah. was really respectful of each other. And it was just like, it was it was authentic. Yeah. Um, but then you have the complete opposite. These, you know, wealthier middle class people moving in to, they branded them as warehouse style living. Uh, right. Which they were like, completely posh apartments it's not like it was actually like these these artists were living like on the floor of a a warehouse warehouse. yeah right so anyhow i remember sitting on this like fuchsia couch one night kind of looking up at these like dirty glass windows um from one of these warehouses and my lover was sitting next to me uh and they were saying like on in two years this moment will be gone and i was like what do you mean by that and they said well there's going to be high rises up out of this uh, sky rise and these artists aren't going to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's going to be gone. Maybe it'll move, but this place, it'll be gone. And I, I thought about that. And then 
the next morning because some of these parties would go to like 7, 8 a.m. Right. And especially on weekends, it was really funny because you would have these artists kind of stumble out of their, you know, EDM warehouses. Sometimes there was forest raves. Oof. Um, <laughs> but they'd stumble out into the daylight and it'd be like bright. They'd probably be still high on something. And then you would have these families with like children out for the like, Sunday morning strolls. And there was such a like tension in the air. Um, and it, it made me realize like everyone's looking for something. These these people want to experience the artist's life, but they don't actually want to. Yeah. Because they're like, you know, they have wealth to pad from that reality. And these artists, at the end of the day, a lot of them wanted to be known and acclaimed yeah. and sought after. And with that, you know, comes money. But there was also at the same time a resentment towards these people. Right. With money. So there wasn't there wasn't really a middle ground. It was kind of this weird, like you each want what each other has, but you also resent each other for being a dirty artist or for having money. So it was like, Oh, this is really interesting. So, so where's kind of the key, where's the sweet spot of experience. And it was just that kind of like opened me to kind of how the world works in general, I would say. Um, And that's kind of like the defining, uh, idea and then it kind of and then after that I left and I I was traveling around Europe more and then I and then I start seeing that sort of same motif from different perspectives um and even to this day I have friends of all like I have one friend I stayed with her for a few months she uh used to run for green party senator and she she chained herself to a George Washington statue and a jester wig as a protest but I also know people who are like navy sharpshooters and completely different but it's it there's there's still a, a general i would say idea that people operate off they all everyone wants something yeah and it's kind of understanding that and then connecting with people in that way and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that it's just kind of how i think especially western society kind of operates um but that's kind of how i how i view and connect with people and view my artwork i don't not yeah. answered the yeah, question. Yeah, it does. And there's just such a humanness to it and a duality that is within all of us that one of the things that comes up for me often and the work that I get to do is when folks are feeling really quote unquote triggered by something, mm-hmm. it's often just a projection of that thing that either you deep down inside subconsciously wish that you had like that projection of, mm-hmm. okay, I'm the artist and I, I am seeing the person with their baby stroll and their coffee in my neighborhood in the morning. And I am, I'm triggered by that person. Mm-hmm. And I, but there's something deep down within me. There's a duality. That's like, I am an artist and I want to be authentic to my core, but I also would like a little bit of that too in my life. And mm-hmm. with, with the way to get that would be by having my art be commoditized in some way, which is something that I don't want to consider, but ultimately mm-hmm. I would need that to happen if I, if I want that, that lifestyle expansion in that way. And there's, there's such a humanness to considering all we're set. We're just such complex creatures. There's yeah. such a humanness to, to considering that in the way that you create. And mm-hmm. I think that's really, that's really beautiful. So when you're considering your, practice of creating art and yourself as a spiritual being how do you how do you think that those things intersect yeah i mean again there's so much duality there 
And I, I, the way I see it, there's kind of like two schools of thought. And then I'd say I'm sort of, I guess, kind of in the middle. But I'd say the, the defining factor is we create from what we experience. Um, and that's true for artwork, but also in a broader sense, just your, your life. Uh, you know, what you're bringing into your life, creating, manifesting, whatever you, you know, want to call it. So I would say like the first school of thought I see it is kind of this more ego-based creation where you something happens to you and good or bad, you know, you have an experience and you get inspired by it and you have this passion. You want to create this artwork that represents the, this experience, you know, something of this sort. And then you kind of have the other way, which is what I relate to more, which is a more um, aesthetic point of view. Um, the aestheticism movement was kind of around the time of like Oscar Wilde, the, this this period. And it was more based on kind of the idea of art for art's sake. So you're just creating something mm-hmm. with things in mind. And, and thoughts like this go back ages. I mean, even uh, if you go back to Greek philosophy like Plato, he had this idea of forms, right? So there's form of justice and there was a form of beauty as well. Mm-hmm. And his form of beauty wasn't based off of necessarily personal experience, but, you know, that pattern in nature, this looks beautiful because there are things we generally see is universally beautiful. So it's kind of this idea of going back and we're just creating something to be beautiful. And I think that's a lot more spiritual. Um, I used to study music, as I was saying. So from my perspective, like if I'm ever working on something, I I never want to play music that I'm emotionally attached to Mm. or could be quote unquote triggered by because then I'm projecting my mental state, I suppose, to this emotion. And then I'm creating from this emotion. And oftentimes I kind of lose this connection to uh, my center or my uh, hara. It's it's like, that's in Japanese, Reiki. I have a good friend who's a practitioner. That's why I refer to it as, but lose my grounding, I suppose. And I kind of just yeah. go into this, like, what am I doing? What am I creating? But for me, like, as we create from what we experience, I have these experiences and they've happened to me and I have this style as an artist. So the more I can get out of my head when I'm creating and really connect to uh, uh, the divine, I don't know what you want to call it, um, the better for me. Like my best artistic moments happen when I'm completely zoned out. I don't want to say possessed or anything because I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't feel like that at all. Um, but it's just like there's almost like a stream coming into your head. You're like you just know what to do. Mm-hmm. You understand and. That for me personally has never come from a certain experience I've had. I'm never trying to replicate something. It just kind of flows into me when I'm in a a state of mental calm and mental quietness. And then my inspiration gets triggered. And then, of course, when you're looking at the resulting artwork, you're like, oh, that pattern keeps coming up. And it's not because you intentionally decided to, I'm going to draw the S shape there. It's like, oh. There must be something, you know, in my mind or psyche that's creating this. And then, and it's really fun kind of sometimes as a tool to look back and think, oh, maybe this is from this experience. Then you have fun moments like that. So I think in itself, it it kind of does it, but I never really create from an ego-based perspective. Nothing against that. I know so many great artists who it's a catharsis for them to, you know, get this, these emotions off their chest and create a beautiful art. And they're, I mean, that passion can create some really beautiful work, but it's never really identified with me as much as this more abstract way of seeing beauty. Yeah, I love that. And I I think it's also just as you're talking about this, it's one of the things that's occurring to me is that 
you know, sometimes there's this like kind of ugly story that's like you have to be really emotionally kind of fucked up in order to create great art. Mm -hmm. And that's just I, I think that's such a that's just a it's just it's just not real. And it's yeah. and it's like it's honestly it's it's not a great way of encouraging more people to to express because you don't have to be fucked up to create great yeah. art. You just perhaps need to find your way of connecting to whatever it is that's going to bring that expression out of you, mm -hmm. whether that's spirit, whether that's um, whether that's absorbing your your mm -hmm. surroundings like you had an opportunity to yeah. do when you were traveling and then channeling that into something. There's so many ways to find the muse mm -hmm. or whatever that is for you. I also think there's this idea when you think of the fucked up artist or whatever that you can't be okay with your fucked up parts. Yeah. Like you yeah. have to be able to, I think acceptance of like things that you're working on or that are your shadows or whatever are completely fine because it's all about balance I think in the end of the day just because you yeah. have a fucked up part doesn't mean you're like a horrible person but oftentimes that's what media portrays the, the fucked up artist and that kind of embraces the dichotomy I was describing before that increases judgment to yeah. artistic types and I experience this and this is silly but I experience this in like dating uh, a lot of the times uh, where especially now with the apps I, I, I hate them but sometimes it's like the, the only way you can meet people Um, but a lot of times I, I've actually met people and they're like oh you're not what I expected you yeah. to be like I'm like why is that and like because oh you're because when I my dating photos I mean I'm sorry but they're like somewhat artistic I, I <laughs> sure it's the Taurus like I can't put this like <laughs> yeah mirror selfie you know uh, which maybe that's to my discredit but People are like, oh, I didn't expect you to speak like this or act like this or whatever because I portray myself in a however they view. It. I don't know. I just create things. I'm like, oh, that's beautiful. I'll post it or whatever. But it's really interesting to see how people perceive that. Yeah, uh, it's such a good point. Mm -hmm. And then how like the, the collective thought of what an artist yeah. is. Yeah, as someone who my partner is obviously a a working musician and has traveled and traveled the world playing music and has done so since he was in his very mm -hmm early twenties. And when we met, one of the things that I immediately, well, back up. So I immediately just got that everything he did was from a place of heart, mm -hmm. but I had some friends that were like, he's a traveling, touring the world musician. Like he's mm -hmm. got to have some shit. And like, do you really want to get into that? And then like, as soon as we, as soon as we got to know each other on a little bit of a deeper level, I was like, this is like the most trustworthy and above board person I've ever dated in mm -hmm. my life. And he could be on the other side of the planet. And I'm, I'm the, the, just the connection, the communication, yeah. the honesty is all, and it's, it's such a higher level than anything I had experienced before. But that idea of like, well, he must have some shit. And the reality is we all have shadow. We all mm -hmm. have stuff that we're carrying around. And so to cons to to even consider that that's a that's an artist thing mm -hmm. is when all of us have we all have our stuff yeah yeah and, and this sounds a bit silly but I think to be honest most of like if we're keeping on the dating train um, <laughs> things I do love to talk yeah. about on a show that's totally not about dating but we go there often do you <laughs> yes um, but I I never find that I can like go on multiple dates with someone who hasn't seen the world at least like a little Same. bit and when i say <laughs> seen the world i don't mean i went to paris and i climbed up the eiffel tower i mean yeah. like actually interacted with people 
and understood where they're coming from. Right. Because it's, I don't want to say vapid because that seems harsh, but there's just like a lack of depth there. And I think if people, I mean, it's hard to get out of routines. Uh, during the pandemic, uh, I probably stayed in the same place for longer than I have. Same. In a long time. <laughs> yes. And even like coming here and I was in Europe again last month. Like even that, I felt a little bit out of my comfort zone, which yeah. before I was just like, oh, this is, you know, my life. So I kind of understand more now how, especially, this is only a year. I imagine being, you know, in your corporate lifestyle or stock trading, whatever you do for years and years and years. I can definitely understand and see how you become, I don't know, I don't want to say jaded, but like just stuck in, yeah. in, your, in your little sphere. And you can't go past that. And I think that's a problem, generally yeah. speaking, in the world. Like if everyone understood each other better just by I mean, even taking a trip and not staying in your hotel room. I never like staying in fancy hotel rooms. Maybe like one night on a trip. But otherwise, it becomes too easy just to like, oh, yeah. I'm going to stay here. Oh, I'm going to stay by the pool. Yeah. yeah. The, what is that? You're just, yeah. you're not even going to the place. You paid for a plane ticket to sit at a fancy hotel and maybe the temperature is different. <laughs> right. But are you are you seeing anything or are you just getting the hotel food which is probably not that great compared to if you found like a good like street cart. Right. And got oh, like really so local, true. you know? It's so true. Yeah, and it's and I I think oftentimes there's like this idea that to travel and to gain perspective means you have to you have to you have to go far and the reality is we can we can do that in our own cities mm -hmm. most of the time for most of us depending on where you live even if you're in a small town in a in a area that that isn't easy to get to get out from mm -hmm. just in your own community you can go and explore in ways that oftentimes we just don't even think about mm -hmm. i mean just i mean obviously la is a is a huge a huge city and so is new york but just staying in those two cities the amount of perspective and experience you could gain if you just got out and went and checked out what people that are mm -hmm. different from you are up to absolutely yeah. amazing yeah if you're an if you're an artist or photographer or anything i i really recommend especially if you're in photography just taking a camera and going out and maybe taking photos of people and you know talking mm -hmm. to them as well mm -hmm. i when i was in school i only took one photography course it was on uh like journalism which i don't really do uh professionally um but it was a really fascinating course because most of the assignments were to go out and capture interesting photos and that can be difficult you know in fashion and beauty you have all the tools at your disposal you can get lights you can have hair you know but to actually go out into the world and find something and tell a story with it yeah and anticipate a moment before it happens especially if you're photographing something with like motion you really have to train your senses to track a situation and then see what what will that turn into, you know? Um, and to be able to understand what's going to happen and then capture it, that's a whole other thing. And you you just want to talk to the people after you've watched them through a camera lens for like yeah. a few minutes. You know what I mean? So I think that's a really good excuse to explore. And I mean, I guess if you're a painter or something, maybe it's a little bit more difficult to to follow that. But I would just go out and talk to people. And don't, But we live in a... A, a, a sentiment now that's so easy to like be offended if someone talks to you in public which i don't understand <laughs> yeah like you're 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 a creep or you're weird if you 
say hello. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Like, the only acceptable way is to reach out to you via social media. Like, I don't, like, is that the alternative? Like, or you just don't meet people? Yeah. It's, it's, like, yeah, it's a sad, it's a sad state of things. And I mean, to get, okay, to get a little woo woo with it as mm-hmm. we're like entering into this Aquarian age where the collective and the rise of, of just more social ways of being. And I don't mean social media ways of being. Mm-hmm. I mean like being 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 in a in a futuristic sort of approach to what humanity looks like that we're not all living in silos. That's what I mean by social and mm-hmm. in, in this context of the Aquarian age. We're gonna have to be doing that in order to really move into that. And so that means we're gonna have to be uncomfortable and we're gonna have to get used to or get okay with being with people again. And not just because we've been stuck in our houses because of a pandemic, but we've we've been stuck in our in our boxes for much longer than that because of exactly what you're talking about this like this idea that we can only connect if it's like through an email or through a DM on a social app through Instagram or whatever it is. And we we don't do that and that is such a that's such a beautiful way to gain perspective is just to get out and get to know what somebody's story is. Yeah. Well, I think there's a little bit too much idea of like, oh, like judging a value. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know, like some people, especially at fashion parties, it's, this is like the fashion beauty industry is the worst <laughs> at this specific thing. Like if you meet someone at a party, you can see it in their eyes half the time. Like people think they're slick, but yeah. I mean, they're not really. They you meet you at a party. Oh, you're so cool. Blah, blah, blah. What's your Instagram? I'm like, oh, here we go. And then they ask and then they look at it. And if it's not like to their standard or whatever, you're no longer useful or you're no longer yeah. an asset. It's like, what does that mean? I don't yeah. have 50,000 followers. So I'm not a good photographer, I guess, you know, just like yeah. things like, like just immediate like value judgment based on an online profile. Yeah, that's not going to raise the collective consciousness <laughs> real quick, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Oh, yeah, we could talk about this this sort of stuff for hours. I, I love conversations like this, for sure. Yeah. So, okay, let's get into our closing five questions about you. Mm. And I am I'm so interested to hear these for you. Because, well, one, I just love to know what Scorpios are up to <laughs> in this sort of these sorts of questions. And, and Taurus, too. And, of course... And of course, just you as a as an artist. So the first one is, tell us about an object or charm that is special to you. This one is probably my camera strap. I've changed it for each camera I've had. I've kept the same one. It used to be my grandfather's. Um, um, I don't think he did anything like too professional, but it's this really beautiful. Uh, I should have brought it. It's this really beautiful, um, like rainbow woven strap, and there's still like places for film canisters to go in the strap. They're a bit worn out now and I don't really shoot film, so it's not really relevant, but it's a really beautiful, unique uh, strap. And I, I I don't know, I, I find sentiment in holding it. Yeah, that's so special. Yeah. I mean, you're bringing his energy into your work. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. He was also that. into music a lot. He, I heard stories that I never met him. Uh, he passed before I, I was born, I think. Um, but he was apparently into music as well. He would lay on the the floor listening to like symphonies or whatever on the radio and he would like conduct in the air. Oh, that's the, that's the one story kind of so sticks cool. in my head about him. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, so special. Okay. What is a book that changed your life? Yeah, this one would probably be um, either a picture or portrait. I'm, I'm blanking of Dorian Gray. It's by Oscar Wilde. Um, and that kind of, there's still a quote from it uh, on my website, actually on the homepage. If you go through my site, it's if you scroll down, there's like a gallery of my images and then interdispersed are different quotations from uh, different pieces of literature or lectures or whatever that I find mm. relevant to my work. I, I view things really pretty holistically. But this one in particular, uh, the quote is, uh, there are two characters in a garden. Uh, one is an artist. One is I, I just I, like a friend of the artist. And uh, the friend is talking to the artist about art and the way things are. Uh, and it's something along the lines of... Um, we uh, men these days treat art as if it were a form of autobiography. We have lost the abstract sense of beauty, uh, which mm. kind of really supports the, uh, the the thought process I was kind of going into before about you know creating with this more spiritual, just beauty based thing and letting letting happen what may happen with your artwork. So that's kind of that. the The rest of the story, though, it goes completely off the rails <laughs> of that. It's a crazy uh, book that other Scorpios probably might like too. Um, basically, someone's youth gets captured in a painting and they're like almost immortal. Uh, but the whole the whole piece, it's very funny. Uh, and, you know, kind of done in that aestheticism movement. So it's very beautifully written and everything. It's really interesting. I just learned that uh, it was actually heavily censored uh, mm-hmm. back in the time. And there's like two versions out now because... Um, Oscar Wilde, I believe, was gay. Um, and at the time when he wrote it, it was a lot more suggestive uh, between two of the male characters. Um, so they had to like heavily redact it as to not poison the public or right. whatever. And I've just, I've just found this out and it's so interesting to me. Uh, that there's two versions floating around. So is the the way the version that, of the way that he wanted it written is that one out now too? I think so, but I yeah. didn't realize. I don't know if it's like the main one in circulation or if you have to go, yeah, to find like the unredacted version. Um, but even in the the censored version, you could still like. There's a few lines I'm like, you know, are they up. are they in love? Like, what <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's super interesting too, and just a sign of the times, but. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's kind of a fun little fact. Okay. We'll put the book in the show notes for anyone who wants to check it out. Okay. Tell me about an experience or moment that changed your life in a profound way. I I probably would say kind of that experience like on the couch where I I realized that dichotomy of these two people like so clearly and blatantly because yeah. kind of, I was more or less an outsider which helps I think understand because obviously if I lived there like for years I probably become numb to it but as kind yeah. of an outsider placed in this situation more or less I was like wow because when I went there I was like oh I want to create art I want to do this I wasn't really I, I was I was still very fresh like I had never experienced yet you know like this idea of like what it takes to be an artist in a big city because I was like oh I got this figured out in the midwest I'm gonna do the yeah, same thing shooting here. weddings in the midwest you were like yeah. coming out of that and now you're like sitting on this fuchsia couch and you're like oh wow yeah yeah in the middle of like 
like a, a huge city of millions versus 300,000. So I, I still had kind of this new perspective on or outsider perspective, which is why I love traveling so much. You, you're constantly yeah. getting put in this position of it doesn't matter who you are, how much money you have or who you think you are in some certain social circle. You're, you're alone in this town in the Mexico or wherever and you don't know anyone or anything and you could get scammed. It doesn't matter. So it's really refreshing, I think, to put yourself in the situation of being nothing because at the end of yeah. the day, we're just people. Yeah. Like, grains of sand. You know? Yeah. We're all dust of stars. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Okay. What is something that you do for your health and wellness? Mm, I, I do a lot of breath work and, and mm-hmm. grounding. I can, I can get super like flighty, not flighty, but in my head a lot. Sure. Uh, it's very maybe, Gemini. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so I, I really need to focus a lot because I have I have so many ideas and then and then taking that to make them actually, you know, reality is a, a whole other uh, ball game, and especially as I continue to grow more like management of, you know, time. And, you know, as I'm starting to bring people onto the team, people, because especially as, you know, socials grow, that's a whole other thing. Like the thing with like we went on Pinterest, right? Like that's been so great, but I've experienced really good growth on that platform. And it's like quickly become like, oh, like I'm like, it's not like I'm a social media manager. I I don't do that all day. (laughs) Right. Like I, I, the, the reason I think I've experienced such good results is because like it's a, a fresh perspective like oh there's a yeah. photographer who's working in the keyword working in the <laughs> real world yeah. so I, like i'm on set for 12 hours a day you know for for a week or whatever and then that, that doesn't leave me much time for so it's uh it's really been especially as you grow it's a lot of balancing and and figuring out okay i could do this but do i have the energy to have the time no so how do i make it happen still so i breath work and and grounding especially in the the middle of the day or sorry, beginning of the day yeah. is super important, especially if you're working multiple time zones, because then it turns into like, you just want to check your phone at all times and right. answer the email, but that's not yeah healthy. So it's really, and it can like get you in a not so good space. So I, yeah. I think it's good to like really have that grounding, especially as an air sign. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. That's a really good practice. I love a good breath work practice. Okay. Tell me about a moment that you knew magic was real. Mm, I would say probably the moment when I got the Airbnb. Uh, Pretty magical. Who, they owned the photo. Like that was like you couldn't have been more like aligned and perfect mm-hmm. that they actually like, you know, like who, who knows? Because again, I was very new. I I didn't realize that moving to a foreign city I couldn't generate business like that. Yeah. Um, You're like, I'm here. I'm ready to work. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. This is not how it works. Yeah. Especially when you don't know anyone. So it just kind of happened. And I was like, okay, got this. Cool. It, you know, it just felt divine in some way. Yeah. Completely magical. Awesome. Okay. So tell us where folks can find your work if they want to see what you're up to. Yeah. You can find my my web is Anderson dot xyz uh 
funny little domain ending, but I, I kind of love it. Um, so that's my like home for web. But on all socials, it's the handle is at that stylish nerd, uh, <laughs> which maybe you understand a little bit. People ask me all the time, like, why is that? But I, I studied math. I'm still like a big geek. So it's, I, I've kind of kept it as that. And it's yeah, good because it's unique like it. for all the platforms. And it's I love having it the same. Like I, I would, Anderson, it's not the most unique name out there. So uh, I don't know. I think it's fresh and unique and fun. So you can find me on my socials there. Um, Instagram is mostly like portfolio work, travels, Mm -hmm. personal. Pinterest, uh, you can find me there. It's more, uh, I I would say, uh, inspiring. Uh, some good behind the scenes stuff too. Yeah. Like you tell you I love I love what you're doing on Pinterest because it really gives a look at how you're working whether it's like the what's in your bag or uh, there was a there was a pin series that you did a, a while ago that was um it was it was money tips for a photographer. Yeah. I thought that was just and I mean anybody that listens to the show knows that, that I love to see people figure out how to make money doing the things that they love. So I love when mm-hmm. people share stories about how they are how yeah. they're working with money you to know, make their lives work. So important. so important. Yeah. Yeah. You can yeah. go on for ages. But, and there's so many little tricks that you find. Yeah. Uh, it's because people portray social media. You can portray whatever you want, really. But if you have lots of little tricks, you can actually, I mean, they're little, but you add them up, you can really make it work for yourself. Yeah, you can. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm so excited. Thank yeah, you for having me. Thanks for being in my home, meeting my cat. Oh, I love Luna. <laughs> yeah, my partner. Got to see Ben, the whole thing. Yeah, thanks so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. Okay. What a dream to have Anderson here recording with me in the studio at my home. I'm so grateful. It's so wonderful to spend time with someone as creatively unique and so interesting. The world travel stories we could have continued to swap could have kept me here all day long. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to each of you for continuing to show up and listen to the show. I hope it's making a beautiful impact in your day and your life. If the show is resonating with you, the best way you can support us in growing the show is to subscribe to the show on Apple Pods or wherever you get your podcasts and to leave us a review. It's super important and it takes literally 15 seconds. So before you turn the show off today, hop on over to the main page of the show and leave us a review. It means the world to me and the team that's working with me here to grow this show and to each of our guests as well. If you loved this particular episode and want to share it with a friend, send it along. Send it to your artist friends who perhaps need some inspiration or an aspiring artist who needs to hear someone else's story to be expanded, to consider new ways of finding inspiration in the world. Send this episode their way. If you'd like to share on social media, tag us at your woo-woo BFF. Make sure you're following us over on Instagram as well. And you can find me at WeeWeeGirl. And our website, of course, is WeeWeeGirl.com backslash podcast. And we have every episode loaded into that page with transcriptions as well. So if you're looking for a transcription, we've started adding transcriptions to our new episodes. That's available at WeeWeeGirl.com dot com backslash podcast until next time i appreciate you for being here thank you so much for joining me 
Much love. Satnam. Satnam. <laughs>